This week's episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point is sponsored by Found Penny Studio. Found Penny Studio is exclusively fulfilling our Patreon Tier 3 merchandise perk by doing what they do best, creating to celebrate everyday moments like your favorite TV series. Check out Found Penny Studio's creations at foundpennystudio.com and find Couch Potatoes Unite on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash couchpotatoesunite. This episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point is sponsored by Blue Bridge Games. For the games and gifts you won't find anywhere else, head to Grand Rapids, Michigan's friendliest local game store, Blue Bridge Games. Blue Bridge Games carries an extensive line of board games, card games, role-playing tabletop games, Magic the Gathering, and more. Stop into their storefront on East Fulton or shop with them online at bluebridgegames.com. You say you want to watch a drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama. Or you can watch it with your daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with your middle schooler. So you can come and talk around our water cooler. We're watching all day and all night. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa, whoa. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa. Welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast entitled Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name. Even if and when our panel of United Couch Potatoes tries martinis and uppers just to get rid of other bad tastes in their mouths, though I guess that makes me the Karen of our little group with the martinis and the uppers. So funny. I always thought that I was the Grace. This will make sense in a minute. My name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website, couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like. For Couch Potatoes Unite, we're all about the wonders and the unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU! Exclamation point. Hopes you've been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays. And as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published once per week. Subscribe to the website or the podcast via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Amazon Music, basically wherever you get your podcasts to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including, but not limited to, Stranger Things, iZombie, The Good Place, Game of Thrones, American Horror Story, Grace and Frankie, Mr. Robot, Charmed, Riverdale, Outlander, This Is Us, Altered Carbon, The Orville, and The Arrowverse or CW-verse on The CW. Plus, new episodes are in the works, including revisits for Doctor Who, Schitt's Creek, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Hundred, The Crown, Supernatural, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. The Breaking Better series will launch into discussion of the first two seasons of Better Call Saul. We'll be launching new panels covering Big Little Lies, The Good Doctor, Call the Midwife, The Animaniacs, Killing Eve, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, American Gods, Grey's Anatomy, and Cobra Kai. And because we look back at shows now past, we'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap. We'll think the Golden Girls for being friends. We'll cry Bazinga for Big Bang Theory. We'll dive deep into the fantasy world of the magicians. We'll navigate the witty political satire of Parks and Recreation. And we'll become psychos for Psych. 
By the way, did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live? We've been live from bunkers, comedy shows, comic cons, and game stores. Plus, we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff, including in these semi-quarantine times. So make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, or subscribe to the website, our YouTube channel, our Apple iTunes channel, our Stitcher Radio channel, or find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. Plus, new for 2021, you can subscribe to us via Patreon. Patreon. In an effort to get fancier, to upgrade some of our stuff, to build some capacity, Couch Potatoes Unite is on Patreon to provide the opportunity to subscribe for perks, including member-exclusive email and Discord access, bonus content, TV-themed merch, and the ability to join CPU for occasional watch parties, and in so doing, possibly to place priority requests for shows that we cover. If any of this sounds like fun to you, head on over to Patreon or download the app and search for our name, Couch Potatoes Unite. Don't forget the exclamation point. In the meantime, if you don't hear your show in this podcast format, fellow panelists and I still write reviews and we always seek new panelists. So if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of those outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback and we'll try not to take it too personally, Judith. Today, we continue a new companion feature on CPU, exclamation point. You might be aware that we have a feature entitled Shark Jumpers Anonymous, which was developed because as probability might allow, there are times when CPU will stop ongoing coverage of a show because not only are no new panelists interested in it anymore, but even the panelists who have been talking about it on this humble little podcast have lost interest too, for whatever reason, whether it be a decline in quality, an erratic story direction, an offensive development, or some other something not able to be quantified or described. The feature is designed to give the panel closure for them as well as for any listener still interested in hearing episodes about that show. In some instances, there might be one or two panelists or a lonely moderator who intends to complete the show. After all, the moderators tend to be the most devoted to the series in question and or are simply completionists. This moderator is guilty of such a trait, though I've been known to jump the sharks too. Because of their dedication and perseverance, and in the interest of scientific inquiry, CPU wanted to gauge if the effort of completing the watch is worth it by the end and to see if the shark jumpers were too hasty in fitting those water skis. To that end, we launched the second episode of our Shark Jumpers Anonymous companion feature, Final thoughts. In this feature, those who have jumped the shark have long been in the rearview mirror, but those who stayed loyal to the show in question, for whatever motivation, are invited back to offer any words they want, in whatever format they want, for the purpose of commenting on whether they think the show is worth the watch in the end. Let's face it, most often the commenter will probably be me, and or will probably be alone, though not always. Sometimes there might be two people having a conversation, as CPU runs panels of a minimum of three people including the moderator. Today, however, it's pretty much as we expect. The show we're revisiting today is Will and Grace, which was our third show to undergo Shark Jumpers Anonymous treatment. CPU last covered Will and Grace following season nine, the first of the revival seasons, in August 2018. The two remaining constituent members of this panel, namely Jeremy and Emily D, recorded two prior episodes about the show covering the original run of the show and season nine of the revival run, respectively. For a detailed plot summary of the show in general, search our website via the dialog box in the upper right-hand corner, the picture with the couch full of TV watchers. Following the finale of season 10, our panel reconvened one last time to record Shark Jumpers Anonymous interviews, which were published in November 2019. At the time, two of the three panelists jumped the shark. 
The lone panelist who remained was also the moderator. And you'll never guess who it is. It's me, okay? I'm the moderator. Probability would have favored that guess, right? I would hope. Well, since then, life went on. Will and Grace aired its second series finale on April 23rd, 2020, after three revival seasons and 11 total seasons. And I watched every last episode of the sitcom about these four zany friends living in the big city. Thus, since I did the time and have the opinions, as always, here I am back again to present my final thoughts about Will and Grace. So let's talk about Will and Grace. Will and Grace, after we left our Shark Jumpers Anonymous interviews, and after we kind of walked through why Jeremy and Emily were jumping the shark and why I wasn't jumping the shark, it comes down to things really didn't change about Will and Grace. And if you liked Will and Grace all along, I think you deserve, or the show deserves, the chance to be watched through to its second ending. When Will and Grace started, it was a different type of story. This is what the panelists agreed on from moment one. In the 90s to early and mid 2000s, having two, well, having a show with main characters who are gay and shown in a positive light with human foibles was quite novel back in the time. Then added to that, you had a great ensemble cast with great cast chemistry, ridiculously funny situations, excellent character dynamic, great guest stars, although they they kind of used the guest stars as a crutch after too long, and a lot of really funny callback jokes and running jokes that rewarded you for your consistent watch. Will and Grace was pioneering when it was first on, and that sense of pioneering novelness about the show is really what brings the loyalty and what made the idea of a revival such an enticing one. The problem is, though, that our our other panelists, including one who's kind of left the podcast since we've done the first episode, they felt that the revival seasons didn't really have the same heart or the same sense of cleverness that the original eight seasons, and by eight seasons, it's really the original or first six seasons, because everybody agrees that seasons seven and eight weren't the greatest in the original run. Arguably, these revival seasons are better than those last two original run seasons, but that's my argument. Our panelists thought that the new revival seasons were too campy. They forced messages, forced statements. It was too political. I find that a little bit rough just because the whole reason they revived the show at all was because they did an election special for the 2016 political election, which was robustly, I mean, we thought, we thought 2016 was a circus, I guess it kind of got worse from there. And it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, that if you're listening to this, I doubt you probably agree with one side of the equation as much as you agree with the other, but I'm open to to the fact that anybody might be listening to this right now. Anyway, our panelists felt that the revival seasons were, were too political, forced too many messages, were a little too ham-fisted in their statements. Not to mention the fact that there was an agreed-upon, acknowledged, admitted adjustment for the four main characters and really for Deborah Messing. I think that Eric McCormick, Sean Hayes, and Megan Mullally, they all found their characters again, and they found them quickly. 
For whatever reason, Deborah Messing was a little longer to reach that that core of grace that she had in the original eight seasons. And that's kind of hard because I think that adjustment, that long evolution, and she does find the character again. I argue that she does so in season 10 and continues to improve right on through the end of the rest of the series. You know, when Grace when Grace isn't fully Grace, the chemistry is going to feel a little off. And I think they were responding to that. And I think it was true in season nine. But because that chemistry felt a little off, they started to feel like Will and Grace was no longer a priority or not good enough to warrant prioritizing it into a watch. And so they kind of let it go. In fact, Jeremy even said sometimes some things are better off dead. They wanted to see the first magic rekindled. They wanted to pick it up where it left off. But I feel like that that was an unrealistic expectation. I mean, when it comes right down to it, Will and Grace ended its initial run in 2006 and picked it back up again in 2018. That's the difference of 12 years. That's a long time. And society has changed in such a dramatic way. I'm going to talk a little bit about how I feel that Will and Grace is probably a show that resonates most with Generation X. I mean, if you think about it, Will and Grace are Gen X characters. Arguably so is Jack. I'm not sure about Karen. Her real age, I don't think, has ever been fully quantified or clarified. But the the people that were watching it back then are probably going to be the people that are watching it or were watching it now. And that's Gen X people or maybe elder millennials who remember it being on and, and have the nostalgia for it and use that nostalgia or relied upon that nostalgia to come to the revival. But it's unrealistic to expect that a show that was so about being in the moment of the 90s and the 2000s and the evolution of being more open as a society and being more willing to accept that LGBTQ identities were all around us and were humans just like us, which is so trite, but that's really where it was back when the show premiered, to now when it is more widely accepted, except by various and obvious segments of the population, the humor is bound to change. The the ages of the characters have changed. The ages of the actors have changed. The political landscape has changed. And so I guess expecting it to be exactly like it was was sort of unrealistic of my fellow panelists. And I don't mean to talk disagreeably about their opinions. They're, they have a right to their opinions and feelings. And they certainly expressed them in our previous episodes. But at the time, I just felt like expecting more of the same was probably unrealistic. At the same time, I do think there was a little bit of a lack of quality just because I think they felt you you get a sense when you watch the revival seasons that it's a lot like a reunion. It's just a very extended reunion. So they get more time to play, to find comfort in each other again. And I think if if my fellow panelists had continued to watch the show and let it breathe in their entertainment space, they probably would have felt at least somewhat satisfied with the result. In my humble opinion, when it comes right down to my final thoughts, this is how Will and Grace got better. First of all, Deborah Messing, admittedly kind of a mess, found her stride. She found Grace again. And once she found Grace again, the original chemistry clicked. And once the original chemistry clicked, it didn't matter that the subject matter that they were discussing in their situations was about time passing and aging and how the dynamic of 
a straight woman with a gay man being so codependent translates over the space of a couple of decades and how Karen never seems to age and always manages to stay rich and drunk and high and how Jack actually evolves over the course of these three seasons, still maintaining his Peter Pan complex, but actually growing a little bit too. About time, one might say, but still doing it. All of that came together in a really satisfying way. And while I wouldn't replace the original seasons with these three seasons, I felt like they were an admirable and adequate continuation of the story because Deborah Messing found her stride. In addition, they abandoned most of the politics. They still kept a little bit of it in there because it was a way for them to take pot shots at the then sitting president, who arguably kind of brought those pot shots on. And the fact that Karen is the mouthpiece Karen is seemingly the type of company that the former sitting president would have kept. So it actually makes kind of a funny sense. But they didn't do it as much in these last couple of seasons, for sure, and certainly was very rare in season 11. It was really more about callbacks to some of the recurring guest stars, including Vanessa Bayer as Amy, who had the bakery that Karen kind of torpedoed with her MAGA rally or something that then came back and... and formed kind of a relationship with Karen, not a, you know, a friendly working relationship, because Karen finds herself as being the manager of a minor league baseball team, because for some reason, Patton Oswalt plays Stanley's brother, Danley, and Danley is in love with Karen, hopelessly, and decides to try to screw her over by betting away a failing minor league baseball team in a poker match. It's very confusing, but it gives Karen a sense of purpose and also just a chance to make more jokes about those those things that we're talking about. It also had Will and Grace, now the show generally, also had a better series finale. I mean, one of the things that people always complained about with the original eight season run was how the series finale was so not fitting for the eight seasons that came before it that it imagined a future where Will and Grace had grown apart and had to find themselves back together again through children that they didn't even they weren't even there for each other when they were born. I think that that series finale left a lot of people with a poor taste in their mouth. Some people might see it as, well, it was artistic and it is what it was and we respect the artist's vision here. But I think by and large, fans of Will and Grace don't love the original series finale. And it isn't to say that season 11's finale is like a vast improvement, but what it does do, despite it being trite and despite it being somewhat rushed, What it does do is imagine a future where Will and Grace are still together but could be apart. It imagines a future where Jack and Karen are never far away, but yet they all have obvious paths that the show forecasts for them where anything might happen, but the path that they're on is the natural path. And they're still friends at the end. And I think that is the core and the spirit of the show, That's what the original series finale lost after the eight seasons aired, and that's what this new series finale gains. In in terms of additional thoughts on how it got better, Will and Grace relied so much on stunt casts and guest stars, not only in the final seasons of the original run, but even in the first season of this revival run, 
They didn't do that so much in season 11. In fact, there were very few high-profile guest stars, and those that did come aboard the show had more than one spot, so they felt had they felt like they had continuity. Or in the case of one guest star, which was Billy Lord, who is Carrie Fisher's daughter and Debbie Reynolds' granddaughter. Debbie Reynolds, of course, played Grace's mother on the show when she was alive, and they brought Billy Lord on as Fiona, I think was her name, who was Grace's niece and was part of the family. And they shared Debbie Reynolds as a common ancestor in in that her character was Billy Lord's grandmother and Grace's mother. And that was a very impactful guest appearance and a very lovely homage to somebody who they had on quite a few times and was always brilliant when she was on. Finally, the inclusion of Estefan, Estefan, Estefan. They used him in just the right amount. He wasn't always there but he was never far away. And his rapport with Sean Hayes, with Jack, is just so fun. It's like you can see he's he's Jack's perfect, perfect mate, perfect husband to be. And it's so fun when they are finally are married and they have to navigate marriage in their own special way. I think that a lot of the situations that involve Jack and Estefan are what makes season 11 the best of the three revival seasons, and possibly even better than season seven and eight of the original run. That's probably controversial, but I don't really care. Ultimately, when it comes right down to it, though, and like I said earlier, as I've been expressing my final thoughts, I've just come to the conclusion that Will and Grace probably has a magic spot when it comes to its potential audience. And I really believe that the viewers, the potential viewers that are going to find it the most rewarding are probably Gen X or elder millennial, maybe young boomer, who relate to these characters coming up in a time when being LGBTQ wasn't as accepted, when being, when looking for a community and that urban family to find where you belong in the big city or not. I think that that cadre, that brand of story probably finds its home more centrally in Gen X or Elder Millennial or Boomer because this was before technology just pervaded everything. This was before there was a common acceptance. And while I think that Will and Grace in its revival three seasons ultimately adapted to the world that it that it revived into, I just don't see that it appealed to today's younger generations. I don't think that, and I'm not a member of the community, but I just get the sense that members of the community that might have responded to this show in its early run, you know, today's members probably look on it as a bit dated because it does rely sometimes on stereotypes. It does rely on a lot of self-referential and inside jokes. I don't think these are done with a mean spirit. I just think they're done generationally. And I think that that tension is probably what kept it from really flourishing beyond the three seasons. So I'm happy that we were able to have three revival seasons. That's pretty solid for all the revivals that have come onto the landscape in the past few years. I also think the writers and the actress capitalized on the moments that really make Will and Grace what it is. But, you know, the humor is still, it, it's something that has, I just think it's it, it's an age-related thing. And I don't mean to, to separate it out like that. And by all means, tweet at CPU Podcast, email us if you disagree 
you know, let us know via any of our social media. I, I just think that that type of humor is not often seen on these types of shows anymore. You know, there's a little bit of an edge. There's a little bit of a judgmentalness. And that's not uncommon in real life. But I think there's a push away from wanting to watch that and escape television with with younger people and maybe even with people generally. But when it comes right down to it, this show is still funny. And it's really about the nostalgia, not the nostalgia of where society was versus where it is now. But for a time when being out there and being no holds barred didn't come quite with the sense of repudiation that it does. And I'm not even talking about just anything. I mean, everything gets judged through the mirrors of social media. And some of it might not be good behavior. And that's okay. But part of portraying bad behavior in art is so that we can be reflective on it. And while I don't think there's a lot of bad behavior, Will and Grace, I think it caught some criticism just because some of that stuff happens. And I don't think that's fair. I mean, I think showing the human condition in our entertainment, good, bad and ugly is just as important as having everything puppies and rainbows. And if it really is an offensive thing, there should be conversation about it. And I'm not talking about like outright ist stuff, but like the, the conversation and the piece that revolves around Will and Grace in the end is that it, it feels dated and it relies on things that were more true back then and are less true now. But I just don't think that it, they are less true now. I think they're less true for some people and not for all people. And that's where the disconnect gets us. And that's why there's all this turmoil, because people aren't talking to each other anymore. They're just judging everything. And this is starting to feel like a wildly philosophical statement when it's really just supposed to be my final thoughts about Will and Grace. But I think it just all plays into it. And it, that's where it really comes down to in the end. I think my co-panelists will regret if they don't already not finishing the se the seasons. And I hope they find their way back to Will and Grace because I think season 11 is the best of the three revival seasons. I think it rewards you for the watch. I think the creators, the actors, the writers, the producers, they did their best to give the characters a better send off while retaining the original spirit of the show. It's always going to be hard to retain an original spirit when times have changed. The actors and the characters have gotten older but it's, it just goes back to the larger question of whether revivals can really recapture the magic in general. And maybe they don't. And maybe reviving old properties is really not the best approach because their, their shows produced and the time they're produced and the magic that they, they capture is all rolled up into the context of the time. On the other hand, I feel like Will and Grace benefited a little bit from a longer revival because the last two seasons of the original run demonstrated a marked decline in writing quality, the ultimately highly controversial original series finale. I mean, I think in many ways this was a second chance for the writers and creators and actors and producers to do better by the characters and by the wildly clever and well-written show that they originally had. And I think for all intents and purposes, they did that. They accomplished it. And ultimately, it's still fun. I mean, even though I wasn't on my sides ROFLing the whole time, every episode made me laugh at least once. It was typically Jack or Karen, although Will and Grace had their moments. I always end up enjoying 
Jack and Karen the best. I like Will and Grace as a unit, but when you separate Will and Grace, I tend to prefer Will over Grace. It's just the way I feel. But ultimately, it doesn't matter in what combination you get the characters. They're still ultimately fun. It's about the four characters. And there were lots of pros and cons that my fellow panelists pointed to. You know, and I, I don't think that they're not, I don't think that they lack truth. You know, the original series, as well as these seasons, experienced some uneven writing. There was some weird plot devices. The off-camera Stanley was always kind of used to dramatic effect, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Jeremy had a problem with some of the guest stars, but some of the other guest stars were really great. Like you got Cher and Madonna and Britney Spears in that original run. And you didn't see quite so many of those types in the revival series. Although Demi Lovato played Will's surrogate. I mean, that's all right. So a lot of the same stuff is still happening. I just think that they were able to iron out some of the wrinkles by the time season 11 finally took its bow. And it's kind of too bad because I think that the show could have continued, but for the highly rumored and much reported on feud that sort of erupted between Deborah Messing and Megan Mullally, which I hope they're able to move beyond because... That's really sad. It seemed like everybody was friends off camera, and I, I hope that they're able to remain friends off camera or find their way to forgiveness, at least. Ultimately, though, when we're talking about Will and Grace, you're watching a show that isn't about perfect people. They're eminently flawed, they're highly judgmental, and they're judgmental without room to preach about other people. Them understanding themselves and their foibles, being self-aware while somewhat helpless to completely evolve... That's what's appealing about these characters. We're laughing at them because they can be atrocious. Sometimes it's fun to watch atrocious people being atrocious. You know, you, you have to kind of set your boundary and decide what's the most atrocious and what's really worth devoting your TV watching time in the end. I don't think that any of these four characters, including Karen, are that atrocious. But if that's not something you like seeing on your TV, you're probably not ever going to like Will and Grace these three seasons or otherwise. I will reiterate that season 11 was better than seasons 9 and 10. Whatever might have been going on behind the scenes, the actress came to work, they did so professionally, and they did their best to provide a better final season or at least one that seemed to atone for the original final season. And it was just a bit better because particularly the, the writing in the original run went so off the rails in that final season. And this was kind of trying to make up not only for that, but for the the first season of the revival. So there was a lot of smoothing out of wrinkles, but I think they did it. They wrote off the flash forward in the series finale with them sitting at the bar as a shared bad dream. They gave Grace's prospect of pregnancy a second go, even if Leo and Vince are no longer in the picture. And I have to reiterate, I think I already said it, that Leo's departure was particularly disappointing. I mean, maybe not surprising, but Harry Connick Jr. was so much fun and had such great chemistry with Grace. And I just didn't believe that Leo would cheat quite so dramatically and do such a horrible thing, but whatever. There are still worse ways to spend your sitcom TV watching time. I certainly didn't regret a few days and a few hours of binging. Will and Grace was funny. It was funny then, it's funny now. They didn't end it on a foolish flash forward showing that Will and Grace were not together. They left room for the fact that these characters are who they are. It's weird, but it works. That's the quote that they repeated several times in the series finale. And they'll be doing it together or separately, but never far apart. 
And that that seems to me to be the best thematic undercurrent of Will and Grace and what we ultimately take away from it. So when it all comes down to it, the magical question, do I recommend Will and Grace to others? Why or why not? I would 100% recommend Will and Grace. The first eight seasons plus the last three seasons, watch all 11 seasons. Do I think the original is better than the revival? Yes, I do. Do I think the revival is bad? I absolutely do not. It's given, it's pioneered for a community that was previously made fun of, used for atrocious humor, marginalized in in television as they're marginalized in real life. And it found a way to bring out the comedy in a relatable way to not only members of the community, but also to people outside of the community. And even if time passing has dulled the shine of what was ultimately this pioneering sitcom, I also would watch other attempts by these creators to make other things. And I'd follow the four main characters or four main actors to other projects and have. I think Will and Grace is really great TV. It's highly rewatchable. I think these three seasons are rewatchable. Now, whether or not you can find them to watch is a whole other story, but that's a podcast, I guess, for another day. If I were to give this, now my brand of final thoughts is I'm the producer of this podcast and the host of this podcast, and I'm most often the moderator. I'm going to do it by final grades because that's how I tend to give reviews. And I, I work in like a school setting outside in the day job that I shouldn't quit. So if I was to give the Will and Grace revival a final grade, I would give it a B. I think it's solid. I think it's funny. I think it's flawed. But I think ultimately it's it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish, which was to bring a long extended reunion of four actors with four funny characters that delighted for eight seasons back in the day and delights for three additional seasons now. Really, as the revivals go, there isn't much better you can say about it. It's not an A-plus show. It's a B, but a B can still be worth watching any old day of the week. So with that said, that's a wrap on Will and Grace. Do you agree with my final thoughts? Do you disagree? Did you watch the whole show? Find us on social media, Facebook at CPU Podcast on Twitter and at Couch Potatoes Unite on Instagram. Let us know. You can multitask while we're rolling the credits. Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point was produced by Back Pocket Productions, run by yours truly, the Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced by me, Kylie Piet. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast, and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kels Resmer. Kels played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube, we have our website, and we're now on Patreon at patreon.com slash couchpotatoesunite. If you really love us, pledge your support by becoming one of our United Couch Potatoes as we grow our little sofa-populated corner of the world. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book, 
by email at couchpotatoesunitepodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, our Patreon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though, of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point. Or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts, and our Patreon to stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point! Until the next time, the original eight seasons of Will and Grace are available on Hulu, YouTube TV, and at NBC.com or via the NBC app. The revival episodes are not currently available to stream actually, and there's no discernible indication as to when that might change, but we wish you luck. I'm sure they're available for purchase at places like Amazon. In the meantime, if you have nominations for shows we should cover on our podcast, contact us via social media or email. You can volunteer to be a panelist too. In the meantime, and until next time, until next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening. Keep watching. Stay tuned. Bye-bye.